Well, a couple of weeks from now, a, a bunch of young moms and dads are going to parade across the platform at each of our four campuses for a child dedication. These are wonderful experiences. Uh, you are going to see some extraordinarily cute kids up front in St. Charles and at Bartlett and Blackberry Creek and DeKalb. Uh, but if you happen to attend the St. Charles campus a couple of weeks from now, and you are the least bit observant, you're going to notice this time around one baby that kind of stands out <laughs> among the rest. Yeah, yeah, that's because my granddaughter Charlotte is getting dedicated. Yeah, <laughs> isn't she a doll? <laughs> Oh my goodness, is there anything more obnoxious than a bragging grandparent? I don't think so. Seriously, it is so hard for Jim and me to believe that back when we started Christ Community Church decades ago, we were that young mom and dad dedicating our little baby girl, Rachel, in that first year of the church's existence. And now she's all grown up and she and Jameson are dedicating their little girl, Charlotte. Time flies, you guys. Time flies. In fact, that's the very lesson Rachel and Jameson heard when they went to the child dedication class a couple weeks ago. Randy Isola, our children's ministry pastor, loves to talk to the young moms and dads about how time flies. Parents, Randy says, you only have your children under your supervision for a short while. It's a fleeting season that passes quickly. It's a brief opportunity to shape their lives. Make every day count. Now, Randy uses a visual aid to, to drive this point home. In fact, Randy has four kids of his own, four boys. And when each boy is born, he took a glass jar, filled it with 936 colored beads. You might be asking, why 936? Randy figures, I have 18 years of them in my home to shape their lives. There's 52 weeks in each of those 18 years. That equals 936 beads. And what's really cool is that once a week, Randy removes a bead from each of those boys' jars, and he prays for them. And as the beads get less and less, he's mindful of the shortening opportunity that he has to shape them. He makes every day matter. He is intentional with his parenting. And we need to be intentional with our parenting. I always say the days are long, but the years are fast, right? Well, welcome to week one of a three-part series that we're calling Parenting Not for Cowards. Parenting Not for Cowards. Now, whether you are a parent uh, or not at Christ Community Church, we really want this to be a relevant series. And we don't do a parenting series often enough you know, considering the huge responsibility the parents have. Um, so we want to challenge those of you who are not moms and dads to hang in there with us. You know, maybe you're a high school student. Maybe you're single. Maybe you are married. You do not have children for any number of reasons. Maybe your kids are grown and gone. Don't check out. Please hang in there with us. Maybe God's got something to teach you just from a Bible passage that's given. And his word is powerful and can affect our lives, no matter the topic. Maybe God is challenging you to take what you learn from this series and volunteer to help with our children and jump in on the joy of shaping a child's life Wednesday nights in Awana or weekend services in Kids World. Maybe God just wants you to grow in compassion for parents. 
you understand what mom and moms and dads are going through. And because we are a community that is to care for each other, God's going to use this series to help you grow in your compassion. So even if you are not a mom or dad, we hope this series encourages you to care for moms and dads. So again, the name of the series, Parenting, Not for Cowards. I heard somebody say some time ago, there are three kinds of people in this world. There are people who make things happen. There are people who watch things happen. And then there are people who are so out of touch, they're always asking, what's happening? Okay, I want to suggest there are three kinds of parents in this world. There are parents who make things happen. If that's you, if you're a mom or a dad who is intentional in the raising of your kids, way to go. But there are far too many parents who are watching things happen. Or even worse, who are so out of touch with the lives of their kids that they're always asking what's happening. So we're going to be talking about intentional parenting throughout this series. Now, why aren't many of us more intentional as moms and dads than we should be? Maybe because we're too busy with our jobs. Or, or maybe because nobody ever told us that parenting requires a plan. We kind of thought you just wing it. You make it up as you go. Or, or maybe because we're depending upon other people to do the intentional stuff. You know, teachers and coaches, youth pastors. Or, or maybe it's because we lack courage. We're too timid to say the right thing or do the right thing. We want to stay on the sunny side of our kids. We want to be their friend. Or maybe it's because our kids are, are over-involved in way too many activities, and so we've been reduced to the role of watchers. We are taxicab drivers. We are spectators on the sidelines of their dance recitals and school plays and sporting events, and so we're involved but we're always watching, watching. We're, we're going to talk about intentionality in this series. The theme of the series is that good parenting requires intentionality and the courage, the courage to put those good intentions into practice. Good parenting is not for cowards. Now, today, Sue and I are going to talk about the courage to set goals. And then next week, Pastor Eric is going to talk about the courage to say no and then Sue and I are going to return for week three of the series, and we're going to talk about the courage to discipline. So if you brought a Bible, I want you to turn with me now to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and there is an outline in your program. I would encourage you to fill in as we go. Today's topic, again, is the courage to set goals. And I want to make one thing super clear as, as we launch into this topic. When Sue and I talk about setting goals for our kids... We're not talking about coming up with some prescribed destiny for each of your children. We all know overbearing parents who are pushing, 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 pushing because they want their kids to become a straight-A student or a varsity quarterback or, you know, miss popularity on the campus, whatever. That's mom and dad's dream. But that's not what Sue and I are talking about today. We're, we're talking about just some basic growth goals, some basic maturity goals. We're talking about shaping our kids intentionally in four critical areas of their lives. Now, if you've been around Christ Community Church for any length of time, you know that our mission is to make passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus is our role model. We want to see people growing to be more and more and more like Jesus. Well, that same mission holds true for parents. The, the mission of every godly mom and dad ought to be to make a disciple of their kids so that their kids become more and more and more 
like Jesus. Now that raises an interesting question. What was Jesus like as a kid? You ever wondered that? I mean, if you're raising a a three-year-old right now or a nine-year-old or a 16-year-old, wouldn't you love to know what Jesus was like as a three-year-old or nine-year-old or 16-year-old? Then then you'd have something very specific to shoot for. You'd have an age-graded role model, as it were. Well, unfortunately, the Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about Jesus' childhood. However, there are two very revealing verses at the end of Luke 2 that describe Jesus' growing up years. Two verses that give every parent something to shoot for as we raise our kids. So let me read these verses to you. If you don't have a Bible, you could follow along on the screen. This is Luke 2, verses 51 and 52. Uh, Then he, we're talking about Jesus, he went down to Nazareth with them, his parents, Mary and Joseph, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew, now listen, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Did you notice there in verse 52, four areas in which Jesus grew? We're going to take a look at these four areas one at a time, and we're going to challenge those of you who are moms and dads to set goals for your children in each of these four areas. Now, a couple of side notes before we begin to drill down into these four areas. First of all, let me point out that there is, uh, there's no way in a single sermon that Sue and I are going to be able to cover everything that parents need to know in these four areas. I mean, each of these areas deserves a sermon of its own. In fact, it deserves a multi-week mini-series of its own. So it's crazy to think that Sue and I are going to do justice to each of these four areas. Okay, we're, we're going to scratch the surface. But the goal of this sermon is to whet your appetite for more. More more biblical teaching on parenting. Where will you get that additional biblical teaching? Let me give you four resources. If you're a mom mom or dad, write these four down. Number one is Christian books. When Sue and I were raising our kids, we made it our goal to read at least one good Christian book on parenting every year. What topic could possibly be more important in the life of a mom, mom or dad? So it's worth reading a good book, talking about it over a cup of coffee. Second resource I'd recommend for you is that you get in a community group. If you're in a group with men, other dads, or you're in a group with women, other moms, or a couple's group of moms and dads, suggest that occasionally the group do a parenting curriculum, a parenting Bible study, and we could give you all sorts of recommendations along these lines. Third resource, we have a special course, six-week course called Spiritual Parenting. And the next go-round begins on Monday night, November 4th at the St. Charles campus. If you've never been through our spiritual parenting course, I'd recommend it to you. We could take as many people as sign up. And then fourthly, you might not have thought of this one. Let me recommend, if you want more information about how to raise your kids in a way that honors God, in a way that allows them to become more and more like Jesus, I'd recommend you volunteer for our children's ministries or our student ministries. You'll get on-the-job training that you could then use at home as you raise your own kids. So, uh, one other side note. I said there were two side notes. One is there's no way we can cover everything you need to know. So, use those other four resources I just mentioned. The other side note is this. When today's sermon is done, I want to challenge every mom and dad to have a conversation with each other in the next 48 hours 
where you sit down, you get out a legal pad and a, a pen, or you get out a laptop, and you go through these four areas, and you set goals for your children. You, you talk about things. This sermon is a conversation starter, if you would, but moms and dads have to take it and run from here. You get it? Good. Back to Luke 2.52, four areas in which Jesus grew during his childhood. Okay, four areas in which moms and dads should be setting goals for their kids' lives. Area number one, intellectual growth. Intellectual growth. Look at verse 52. It begins, and Jesus grew in what? Wisdom. Let's do that again. All four campuses. Jesus grew in wisdom. Now, let me quickly point out that wisdom goes beyond knowledge. Okay, wisdom is based upon knowledge, but wisdom goes beyond knowledge. And i got to point that out because we live in a culture that is knowledge-obsessed. We live in a culture where we can never get enough information. We're constantly Googling for additional data. Uh, Sue and I were invited to our neighbors the other night for dinner. They just got back from a trip to Italy, and they wanted to tell us all about it. And uh, I broke a rule of mine as we went to dinner. I, I never bring a smartphone to the dinner table. In fact, it drives me nuts when people interrupt dinner table conversations because they're messing around on their smartphone. But on this occasion, I happen to have my smartphone with me. So as my friend was telling us about Italy, every time he said something, I Googled it. I'm sitting there, and he's talking about the tower, leaning tower of Pisa. And he said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that thing falls over someday. And so I Google it, and I says, well, actually, it's been standing since the 1200s, so I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Oh, so he moves on, and he talks about the Colosseum, and he says, you know, I'm not, not quite sure how many people it's seated, and so I, I'm Googling it, and I go, well, actually, it could seat 50,000 people. I was gaining knowledge. I wasn't behaving very wisely. Yeah. I wasn't growing in, in wisdom. On and on it went. See, wisdom is based upon knowledge, but it's knowing how to put knowledge to good use. W wisdom is knowing how to make good choices, choices that honor God. So moms and dads, let me point out that our, our kids may know a lot. Your children may be very smart. They may be straight-A students, but that doesn't mean they're wise. So when we say that Jesus grew intellectually, we mean by that that he grew in both knowledge and wisdom. And that should be a goal we have for each of our kids. Now, Sue and I want to recommend two kinds of books that will help your kids grow intellectually, in both knowledge and wisdom. The first kind of book is pretty obvious. You would expect a pastor to say this. It's God's book. It's the Bible. But let me point out that if your kids are not getting into the Bible, they're missing out on the greatest source of wisdom there is. In fact, there's no way they're going to grow up wise apart from this book. So you've you got to set goals in this regard. And I'd recommend that your goals start with yourself because God has called you as a mom, as a dad, to be a role model to your children. So do they see you reading the Bible on a daily basis? Do they see you in your, you know, your chair in the family room or pouring over Scripture at the uh, breakfast table, getting something for your own life from this book? Now, I've been beating the drum for the last several months about the Scripture Union daily Bible reading schedule, and it does my heart good to hear so many people say, I'm reading the Bible for the first time. 
regularly. That's terrific. But if you're not yet doing it, let me recommend to you that you pick up a hard copy of that Scripture Union daily Bible reading schedule. You could get it at the Resource Center at any of our four campuses, or that you have the schedule sent to you electronically to your smartphone or to your laptop so that you could read God's Word daily. But do your kids also know that you care to study God's Word and discuss it with others and apply it to your life in the context of a community group? That's another goal for yourself. Are you in a group talking about how to, how to put God's Word into practice in your life? So what, what do your kids see you doing with the Bible? And, and then let's turn it around. What are your goals for them with regard to Scripture? Are you getting them into God's Word? Had a dad write me a letter not too long ago. He said, we've been coming to the church for a couple of years now, and, and our knowledge of the Bible has just exploded. In fact, we have a four-year-old son, and I went to the resource center at one of the campuses, and I picked up a, a, a Jesus Bible story book, and we've been reading together every night. We'll go through four or five episodes from the life of Jesus. And he says, my four-year-old son knows more about Jesus than I knew in the first 20 years of my life. So if, if your kids are too young to read for themselves, are you reading God's Word to them? And if they're old enough to take the initiative with your help and prompting, are you getting them into the Scripture Union Bible reading schedule? Because as your family all participates, then you come to dinner, uh, dinner time and you sit around the table and you say, hey, this is what I got out of the reading today. What did you guys get out of it? And you're able to talk about it. Now, now, one footnote to this whole thing about making the Bible an important book in your home. Setting goals for your kids intellectually so they grow knowledge-wise, wisdom-wise by delving into God's book. Okay? If you want to send your kids the message that this is the most important book in the world, I would recommend you plan now in part, on participating in our Bible outreach, our Bible giveaway uh, a program that's coming up in December. You've heard us say that we're not going to do uh, the usual beginning of December big show at the St. Charles campus. Instead, we've got 6,000 Bibles that we're going to give away one at a time. We're going to ask each of you to begin praying now for a friend that you'd like to give that Bible to. Will you as a mom or dad begin praying with your kids about a friend that they could give a Bible to? And, and then even beyond that, you know, we've, we've Got to have several hundred people who help us give box those Bibles on Saturday, November 9th, this super second Saturday. Why don't you come with your kids and say, let's gift box those Bibles so that when they're given away, God's word makes an impact on other people's lives. You want your kids to grow intellectually in knowledge and wisdom? It begins by getting them into God's book, the Bible. Besides God's book, parents, we uh, want to talk about school books. If we want our kids to grow intellectually, we want to talk about school books as well as God's book. Since God made everything, learning about this world is a lifelong adventure, right? And whether it be science or history or math or language, it is a treasure hunt of discovery. So moms and dads, we want to pass on that passion and love for learning when it comes to book learning in school. Well, one way to do that is just to go with your own strengths. Um, think through, what do, what do you like to learn about? What did you do well in school? Uh, for example, Jim is really good with history and music and literature, and I dig math and science. So when it came to tag-teaming with our kids' homework, we would lean into those strengths and give them that pep talk or help them with that area of homework. Another really important discovery for me as a mom 
was when I came to understand the concept of learning styles. Now, there are three learning styles. Our kids take in information in three ways. Visual learning is when ch children learn best by seeing things, reading and pictures and diagrams and so on, PowerPoints. That's how we learn visually. Auditory learning is when a child learns best by hearing things and then verbalizing back, whether it be a lecture style with a group discussion afterwards or re reviewing on tape over and over something in an auditory fashion. By the way, 30% of our kids learn visually. About 25% of our kids learn in an auditory fashion. Kinesthetic learning is that third approach. It's active. It's hands-on. It's movement. It's doing an experiment. That's how about 15% of our kids learn in a kinesthetic way. And the balance of children learn in a combination of those three, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learning. Well, this really helped me understand our third child. I'm a visual learner. I like to read. I like to see something, mind map, diagram. And my first two kids responded well to that as visual learners. But my third is a kinesthetic learner. It took me a while to figure this out. You know, he didn't really do well with an auditory list of go do this, 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 and this, or a lecture, that kind of thing. But he's active, he's athletic, he's hands-on, loves to build things with Legos and so on. So, well, not now, he's 26, but he did play with Legos a lot. So when Andrew would come home from school, you know, first of all, I'd just have him run around the outside of the house three times just to burn off that energy and sit down and have a snack. Then we'd look at his homework and figure out how to apply it in a tangible way. And um, that was always a challenge, but it was fun to build something together. We did a lot of hands-on experiments. I got a book on how to do experiments. They all failed except one. It's that clay volcano where you put in baking soda and vinegar, you know, and then hot lava overflows. You, know, you can Google the recipe, but that was cool. That one always worked. You, you can try that one at home. So besides discovering your kids' learning styles and, of course, leaning into your own strengths, Moms and dads, we need to get to know their teachers, right? We need to know who's spending that time and setting goals in the classroom with them and communicating with teachers. This is hard. If you've got two, three, four kids and they're at a couple different schools, that parent-teacher night rolls around, that curriculum night, whatever they call it, it's hard to get there. But we need to try and if not, make an appointment to see them and communicate what our kids' learning style is and what that teacher's goals might be and just support them. Moms and dads, let's not be negligent or detached with our kids' learning. You know, let's get in there and help them with that schoolwork. Now, I am not talking about doing it for them, right? Our kids went through Batavia Middle School, and every eighth grade year, they had to do that Rube Goldberg science project. Inevitably, we'd go to the science fair, and you could tell who had a kid, whose kid had a dad that was an engineer at Fermilab. I mean, you know, that elaborate experiment. And we're all shaking our heads. And you could also tell which kid had a dad that's a pastor and science challenged. <laughs> oh, well. It's not about stressing our kids out to get that A. It's about pa passing on a passion for learning, right? And cheering on the effort, the progress. So what goals will you set? that could help your kids grow intellectually in knowledge and wisdom. Okay, area number one, intellectual growth. Area number two, goals with respect to physical growth. Go back to the text for today, Luke 2, verse 52. 
Jesus grew in wisdom and, say it, stature. Stature is just another way of saying that Jesus grew physically. Did you know that our bodies, okay, our physical bodies play a vital role in our relationship with God? It's true. You know, our physicality and our spirituality go hand in hand with each other. And I'll let you tell, I'll let the Apostle Paul tell you why that's the case. Read this verse out loud with me, okay? All four campuses read together with me. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, according to this verse, God's Spirit has come to live inside you. Your body is now his temple. So how you treat your body matters. How your kids treat their bodies matters. And so Sue and I want to touch on three issues in this regard, suggest some parenting goals that you might want to consider. The first issue is exercise. Came across a recent survey taken among parents. What is your number one health concern for your children? Number one health concern of moms and dads for their kids, lack of exercise. That really surprised me. You know, lack of exercise, it it outranked obesity, outranked alcohol abuse, outranked teenage pregnancy. Number one concern of parents health-wise for their kids. You say, well, that's, you know, moms and dads, they worry about those things. What about doctors? Well, I Googled it because I Googled everything. So I went to, you know, WebMD. And according to doctors, 74% of our kids are not getting enough exercise, and that's having a huge negative impact on the rest of their lives. 74%. I got to thinking about this. Back in the day when I was growing up, my mom's biggest concern was that, that I'd get in from the dark you know, from playing outside, before the sun would set and I'd be too foolish to know that the sun had gone down and it was dark and mom and dad were worrying about me. That's what parents used to worry about. Will the kids get in from outside before it's dark? These days, parents just wish their kids would go outside because they're playing inside. They're competing at video games and they're talking on the cell phone and they're watching a movie together. Moms and dads, we've got to set goals with respect to exercise for our kids. And it's not enough. It's a good start, but it's not enough just to get them playing on a team uh, sport, school, school team. You know, fact of the matter is, oftentimes, depending on the sport, they may be doing a lot of sitting on the sidelines, sitting on a bench. And if that's the only exercise they get in the course of the week, it's probably not enough. I'll tell you what worked well for us as we were raising our kids. Family bike rides, I mean, we hit the river path so many times, you know, going along the Fox River, and there's some very scenic places and the communities surrounding all of our four campuses where you could take a great bike ride. And then family walks, we just did a lot of hiking through the woods together. And one of our favorite activities, and we would do this a number of times in the year, we'd jump on the train, we'd go into the city, and then we would walk all day. We, we would cover four, five, six miles, and there were times when our kids would complain. There were times when it was 10 degrees, and we're doing this. I mean, we're, we were nuts. They called us Nazis in this regard. Uh, but we were determined, we're, we're just going to make a fun time of it. And the irony is, uh, my two oldest decided to go to college in the city, 
And after all that complaining they did about walking around the city as kids, we call them at night and say, hey, what are you up to? Oh, we're just walking around, walking around the city. That's what they do. So get your kids exercising. Here's a second issue to consider with regard to your kids' physical growth, sleep. According to sleep experts, here's how much sleep your kids need every night. If they're three to six years old, they need 13 hours. 7 to 12 years of age, 11 hours. 12 to 18, in other words, middle school and high school students need nine hours of sleep a night. You know what that tells me? (laughs) That tells me that a lot of our kids are sleep deprived. And according to doctors, that results in shorter attention spans at school. It results in bad tempers. It results in addictions to sugar and caffeine. Here's a really startling statistic. An estimated 75% of children are over-caffeinated. Three-quarters of our kids, according to the doctors, are over-caffeinated. Some because of all the soda, others because they're hanging out at Starbucks drinking the foo-foo drinks. You know, food. This brings us to a third consideration. Food, what they're putting into their bodies really matters. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, unhealthy eating habits are more to blame for American deaths than guns, auto accidents, or tobacco use. Unhealthy eating habits. Obesity rates in children have doubled over the last two decades. Is anyone alarmed by that? In the last 20 years, obesity rates in children have doubled. I can't believe that. Research shows that typical American diet is too high in saturated fat, sodium, and sugar, and too low in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, calcium, and fiber. Such a diet increases the risk of numerous diseases, including heart disease, diabetes, stroke, osteoporosis, and many cancers. In short, Food matters, right? Food matters. The length of our lives, the quality of our health are due in part to the choices we make to the kind of foods we eat. Now, most of us are not thinking, oh, thank you for that information. I will go home and throw away all those sugary, greasy foods, and I will get out the broccoli and the blueberries, right? We already know this stuff, don't we? The key really comes down to habits. Parents, this is where we both model and talk about healthy eating with our kids, right? It's hard, let's face it. You gotta know, I have a big sweet tooth. I do, and I come from a long line of sweet teeth. In fact, my dad is, is the worst, and he was a dentist. One birthday, we got him this giant, you know, solid chocolate molar for his birthday. But anyway, the point is my family associated happy times and celebration with rich, oily carrot cake smothered in cream cheese frosting and decorated with candy corn. And I have to confess, I just made one of those last month. Yeah. And even on a daily basis, I think life should be celebrated. We should have something sweet to eat. It is hard. It's an uphill battle, but I want to talk about some habits and some goals that might work for you. These these are habits that we're working on, and here's a few. First of all, don't buy it, and you won't eat it. 
don't buy it and you won't eat it. The battle is won or lost at the store. Am I right? I refuse to buy soda pop and potato chips. I don't want to spend the money. I don't want the chemicals and the calories. And if it's in my house, I will eat it. Jim, on the other hand, <laughs> will intentionally get in the car, drive to Trader Joe's, and he buys this bag of reduced guilt potato chips. Really? Reduced guilt, not reduced fat, reduced guilt. They are definitely targeting pastors <laughs> with that label. Reduced guilt. Don't buy it and you won't eat it. Second helpful healthy habit is avoid the whites. You know, avoid the whites, the white rice, the white um, potatoes, the white bread, white flour. Highly processed food has no food value and it's got the not-so-good-for-you carbs going. So avoid the whites and add color. You know, brown, uh, brown rice and whole grain bread and red potatoes, sweet potatoes. Doritos are orange, right? You know. <laughs> Fruit Loops, can't get, carrot cakes. No, I'm just kidding. You know, those fruits and vegetables have lots of color. Avoid the whites. Go for color. Another healthy habit is sit down and eat together. Well, that's revolutionary, isn't it? Sit down and eat together. Set a goal for two or three times a week, and you're going to need to plan ahead, especially if you have teenagers, to have a home-cooked, well-balanced meal together and talk about some of these values in your family. Also, a healthy habit is to educate yourself in an ongoing way. Read up on nutrition and Google healthy recipes. I just made these amazing dairy-free, gluten-free, sugar-free banana carrot muffins, thanks to my friend Kay, who gave me the recipe. They are now our family's new favorite. No more rich carrot cake. At least not this month. <laughs> if you're looking for a good book on this topic, on how to be physically healthy, I really like Dr. Ben Lerner's book, Body by God. Yeah, Sue bought extra copies of that book a couple of years ago and gave them away to every family member and made us read it. So it's, it's a worthwhile read, Body by God. Let me talk about a third area in which moms and dads could set goals for their kids. Spiritual growth. Okay, back to our text, Luke 2, verse 52. says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with... God, in favor with God. In other words, Jesus grew spiritually. Now, you would think that spiritual growth would be the longest section of today's sermon. But we're actually keeping it fairly short, not because it's not important. In fact, Sue and I would tell you that this is the most important area of your child's life, spiritual growth. But there are several reasons why we're not giving it more time than we're giving it today. First reason is... The most basic tool that God's given us to shape our, our kids' lives spiritually is, is the Bible, and we've already had a lot to say about the Bible. Get your kids into the Bible. Second reason we're not spending more time on it is because Christ Community Church as a ministry is all about spiritual growth. So it's real simple. The best thing you can do for your kids is get them to church. You know, get them here on a regular basis for weekend worship services. Get them, if they're children, get them to Midweek Awana. Get them to Kids World. If they're a middle school student, to Genesis. If they're a high school student, get them involved in a Mosaic house group. I, you know, I just want to note what, what to me is a disturbing trend that I see among Christ followers today. 
You know, back in the day, if a family belonged to a church, what that meant was that every week they'd be there. You know, four out of four weekends, they'd be at church. Midweek at uh, age-graded ministries, their kids would be there. But, but this, this has changed for us. These days, a regular churchgoer means that you show up once or twice a month. And I want to say to you, first of all, that doesn't do right by God. Okay, in God's word, one of the big ten, the top ten commandments, commandment number seven, is to make one day a week, every week of the year, holy to God, a day of worship to him. Corporate worship is a big value in scripture. And it's, it's you know, not doing right by your kids if you're skipping church either. Because they need the spiritual input. They need the, the worship of the weekend service, but they also need what they're going to get in those age-graded ministries. And I would dare say most moms and dads, they would not settle for getting their kids to school just 50% of the time. Or even to soccer practice 50% of the time. So don't cheat God's family, the community, gathering together for worship and praise and learning from God's word. You need it. Get it? Good. Now, just a footnote to this point, too. If you've got children in our kids' world, can I recommend that you make your best effort to come to the same service every week, whether it's Saturday night or a Sunday service, and that way they'll be with the same group of kids and have the same teacher, and their learning is going to be that much better because of it. All right, the third reason why we're not going into greater depth with regard to spiritual growth and how to set goals and whatever is because we've got all that stuff on our website. So if you go to ccclife.org and you click on Parent U, Parent U, it's a special link. U stands for university. We're, we're offering tons of material about how to, how to have spiritual conversations with your kids, how to plan a weekly God-centered family night, how to lead your child to Christ, and so on. You'll find it on our website. The fourth reason why we're not going into greater detail about setting spiritual growth goals is because, uh, well, I'll repeat something I said earlier. If you want to learn how to do this really well, then just volunteer for one of our children's ministries or volunteer for one of our student ministries, and we'll, we'll teach you, we'll, we'll disciple you in this. We'll train you, and what you learn how to do with other people's kids, you'll be able to take home and do with your own kids. You know, we, we had this past week at our four campuses, midweek at Awana, we had over 700 children show up. Over, and it was buddy night. Yeah, well, I'll let you clap in just a minute because there's even better news. It was buddy night. 170 of those kids were brand new. Isn't that a cool thing to have happen now? Who's going to invest in those children's lives? Some of you are moms and dads, and you're saying, well, I don't know where to begin with my own kids to be a spiritual mentor. I say, come to Awana. We'll train you how to be a spiritual mentor, and what you learn you can take home and apply to your own kids. There, there's a... Uh, there's a fourth reason why we, uh, we don't talk more about spiritual growth. Actually, that was the fourth reason, wasn't it? Okay, let me move on then. <laughs> I've been talking about why we don't have more to say about spiritual growth goals. Let me tell you the one thing that I do want to say. In fact, I'm going to let the Apostle Paul say it for me. Now, take a look at the screen and again, read this out loud with me. Everybody together, all four campuses. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. 
it is by grace you have been saved. Okay, according to these verses, what is the spiritual state of our kids? In fact, what is the spiritual state of of all of us before we surrender our lives to Christ, before we're saved? Our kids are spiritually what? Dead. Our kids are spiritually dead. Let me point out the obvious. It's impossible for your kids to experience spiritual growth until they come to spiritual life. See, dead things don't grow. Only live things grow. So your very first spiritual growth goal for each of your kids needs to be what? It needs to to be to see to it that they come alive spiritually, that they surrender their lives to Christ. How do you make that happen? Well, I think the best tool you got is that little white and blue booklet we call God's Good News. And you can pick up as many copies as you need at our information counter. And if you've never done this with your children, those who are old enough to understand it, you go through that booklet one page at a time with its diagram and you make sure that they understand the Bible verses and what it's saying. And when you come to the end, there's a prayer to be prayed. And you can invite your child. Do you think you're ready to pray this prayer and give your life to Christ? And if your child is is too young to understand that, but you want to sow the seeds now in their lives, go to Parent You, and and you could click on a link that will take you to how to have spiritual discussions with your your children, how to lead them to Christ at any age, and we'll give you the information that you need. That's where it all begins. By the way, if your kids make a decision for Christ, the next step is to get them baptized, to go public with it. Several weeks from now will be our next baptism service. There'll be a lot of adults getting baptized. There'll be some children in the group who've made their own decision to follow Christ. And I guarantee some of their stories will be, it was mom who led me to Christ, or it was dad who prayed with me to surrender my life to Christ. If you're a mom or dad, I hope your kids may be able to say that about you. So spiritual life growth goals. Sue. Well, by now we've almost memorized Luke 2.52, but let's look at it one more time and look at our number four point today, social growth. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in favor with man. Jesus grew socially. When I think about setting goals for our kids in this area of social growth, I immediately think about the importance of their relationships with friends, with friends. The influence of friends and the impact of peer pressure cannot be overestimated, right? Moms and dads, our challenge is to help our kids choose their friends wisely and at times help them to end an unhealthy friendship that has a negative impact on them. I remember making sure my kids knew Psalm 1, especially verse 1. Let's read this aloud together, Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Do you see that progression? Walk, stand, sit. It's who you hang out with has an impact on you. And you don't want to hang with people who negatively influence you. That's what we want to teach our kids. How many of you parents have ever encouraged one of your, your children to end a friendship that was a bad influence? Anybody tried that? It's really a tough job, isn't it? Once they've made a friend, it's hard to unfriend them. It's not just a push of a button, is it? 
I want to give you a couple of words of advice on this. Number one, first, you absolutely have to keep an eagle eye on who your kids are hanging out with. You just do. That is your job as a parent. And as soon as they start hanging out with them, since, it's, since it sticks, once it becomes a friendship, moms and dads, do you even know the names of your kids' buddies? Do you know anything about their character or their families? Know your kids' friends. And secondly, help your kids make good friends. Introduce them to environments and where they can meet good friends and have good influence on their lives. Guess what environment I'm talking about? You got it. I don't know what Jim and I would do without, and when we were raising our children, without our children's ministry, our middle school ministry, our high school ministry, it had an impact on our kids' lives. Not only was it a safe place to potentially go and make good friends that are following after Jesus, not all of them are perfect and our kids were not perfect, but it was a great environment and influence, but it was also a place they could bring their school friends to become Christ followers. So know your kids' friends and help them make good friends. Social growth goals. Uh, there, there is so much more that I could say about this. You just stop and think about it. How will your kids learn? How will they learn how to develop good manners? How will they learn how to respect authority figures? How will they learn how to resolve relational conflicts? How will they learn how to be an encouragement to others? How will they learn how to set boundaries in dating? I mean, go on and on in this area of uh, social growth. There's so much that parents have to teach their children. Uh, some time ago, Sue and I were out on the West Coast where my daughter Emily lives with her husband and newborn baby, and uh, we were having brunch with her parents-in-law. And we'd been eating and talking and asking them about their personal lives, their family, their, their work, and so on. And the mom interrupted, and she said, now I know where Emily learned how to ask such good questions. She said, you guys ask great questions. And I thought to myself, you know, that's good to hear because that's a family value of the Nicodemus. That's something we were determined to instill in our kids. We know that Scripture says the greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second greatest commandment is to love people. And how can you love people if you don't know about them? And how can you learn about them if you're not listening, you're not asking good questions? And so there was a book, we promoted the book before, 1,001 Questions by Gary Poole. We use that book to this day. Sue and I will often take it on a date when we're going out to dinner with each other. 1,001 questions and ask each other questions to draw each other out. It's one of the values we wanted to teach our kids. Get to know other people. Ask questions. Don't do all the talking. Now, I warned you at the beginning of the sermon that Sue and I were barely going to scratch the surface of this goal-setting topic. I mean, this sermon has been meant to be a conversation starter for parents. So moms and dads, as we draw things to a close, when this service is over, you got some work to do. And it's vitally important work. I'm going to ask the, uh, the bands, the worship teams, to come on onto the platform at each of our four campuses. But as they do, let me remind you what your homework is, mom and dad. You know, I want you this week, in the next 48 hours, to sit down with, with your spouse or with a friend. If you're a single parent, you know, just do this with a friend. Get out a sheet of paper 
or get out your laptop and put, list these four areas down the, the left margin of the page. Uh, in terms of intellectual growth and physical growth, spiritual growth, social growth, and then talk about what should our goals be in each of these areas for our kids. Fact of the matter is, some of us parents, we do more planning for a family vacation than we do for the raising of our kids. Let's turn that around. Let's get intentional. Let's be courageous. Let's set some goals.